When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello again, and welcome to Crime in Music. I'm your host, Brian Jenkinsley. With me as always, my friend Ben Rupel. What's going on, listening audience? Every once in a while, he and I will bring you a new true crime podcast about people in and around the music industry and their misadventures into law-breaking. If you like music history, murder mystery, famous people with poor publicity. High five, man. Nicely done. You can pick a hell of a podcast because that's what we do here. You nailed it. Tell a friend, share with your relatives. We are spreading our message to the United States of America. If you have friends in the U.S., North America, the continental United States, send them your favorite episode. Tell them, trust you and your podcast choices. Give us a listen if you would. Yeah, and it it doesn't even need to be converted to the local dialect because we are the local dialect. That's true. This is in U.S. English. So, again, if you have friends in, in America, folks, send them your favorite podcast episode. Let them know. Uh, give these guys a chance. Hey, these these Yanks got a good uh, podcast thing. Go go listen to them, eh? There you go. I mean, peel the curtain back a little bit. We're just trending a little higher in, in British countries than we are in the U.S. So, uh, good. Anyway. Good. I, I, agree. I love that idea. Canada's fine with me, eh? Yeah. Also, uh, let us know how you're doing, how you're feeling, how's life. Our email is feedback at Crime in Music. Find us on all the social medias at Crime in Music or my preferred method of communication with you, SpeakPipe. SpeakPipe. Go to our website, hit the SpeakPipe button. You can just leave us a voicemail message and we will talk to you on the show. Let you know if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, give them to us at our website, crimeandmusic.com. Yeah, and we'll have speak pipes and, later on the show, so and uh, you'll speak, know what they sound I just want to just go on the speak pipe a little bit. So it's my favorite as well, and we need them. We need them. <laughs> they're so good. When we get them, they're like awesome little special pieces of candy. Give us the candy. Oh, yeah. Give us the candy. I like candy. I want candy. We just talked about Bow Wow Wow just at the Boy George episode. Yeah. I want candy. It, and that was that was Bow Wow Wow, right? Yes. That, that, all right. Good. All right. All right. Well, another song I like to play is called Guess the Guess by Kevin McLeod. Are you ready for that? I like, you know, I'm always ready. That's the only reason I show up, Brian. (laughs) That's why you're here. Everybody else knows who the guest is. You're the only one who doesn't know. I know. I'm so stupid. Isn't that weird? Out of all the people, you don't know who the guest is. Just so stupid. (laughs) Whatever. Figure it out with Guess the Guest. Okay. Hey, I don't know if you noticed this, but this is our 75th episode. 75. 75. Is that a is do we celebrate with um what's the seven, 75th anniversary thing? You got to like give the your spouse some gold or diamonds. I mean like, you know, anniversary number 5, you get wood, anniversary 10, it's paper and and then eventually you build up the you know something that's worth shit. Are we worth anything yet? Are we big time? Are we huge time? Man, podcast seventy five podcasts for some people that's like a week. 
So I'm not well, certain where we where we hit on that. Really. Our podcasts are, are are substantial. They're meaty. We have a very meaty podcast. I <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> a lot of meat around here. A lot, a lot of substance. All right, sixty seconds. You ready? Yeah, we better get started. Right. Yeah, I forgot you were doing a thing. Uh, one half of the fabulous Picasso brothers. Okay. Okay. All right. Millie Vanilli. No, he's the ice cream man. Um. Oh, that's ringing a little bit of bell. Okay. The king, the king of crotch and roll. Whoa, I'm doing it right now. King of crotch and roll. No. Give me a bottle of anything and a glazed donut to go. Go, 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 go. <laughs> I think I I started thinking in the wrong direction from the beginning, and I can't get the I can't get the train back on the rails here. Here we go. Twenty five seconds. He's been a puppet, a pirate, a poet, a pawn, and a king. The seventy fifth anniversary is the diamond anniversary. Today we're talking about Diamond Dave. Oh, is this uh, the, the, the 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 Def Leppard guy, or no, the Van Halen guy? Yeah, what's his name? David Lee Roth. Oh my God, he did it! No, you gave it to me. I'm not taking credit for that Woo! one. Our our audience is not giving me credit for that one. That was well, probably not. But that so, was literally my last qu- my last hint was Diamond Dave because it is our Diamond 75th episode. We had to bring you somebody who's got stories of ups and downs and all arounds. I'm already gonna tell you, I love this episode. I think <laughs> I think he's he's a crazy dude. I know there's a lot of wonderful stories funny stories kind of things that I made him who he is. And there's some time we grew up listening to his stuff, right? Oh, and, absolutely. And I know you're going to hit on a lot of them. And the, and if we don't hit on a few of the ones that I'm thinking of, I'm going to bring them up. I think you should. But yeah. what were some of the clues that you gave? Can I, can you give them to me again? Certainly. Uh, clue number one is he is one half of the fabulous Picasso brothers. Okay, wh- why is that? Why do do we get into that? That's uh that's a fictitious entertainment act that they had in the in the videos of some of the Van Halen videos. Okay. It's, it's like, "Oh, it's the fabulous Picasso brothers." And so they'd be like like acrobats or shooting out of a cannon, juggling whatever. Okay. And he him and this other dude we'll talk about later was part of that. Uh the ice cream man. Oh, sure. The song. Got, yep. Yep. Absolutely. Go. Yep. Uh, the king of crotch and roll, because <laughs> as we'll discover, <laughs> Dave's kind of a crazy guy, man. Uh, you know, like real California crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then uh, the famous line, give me a bottle of anything and a glazed donut to go. I don't, uh, the ent- that one I didn't know. That, that one threw me off because I've never heard that. Relatively certain that's the intro of the video. Uh, I want to say that's life. I could be wrong. Could be Dave's solo stuff. We'll talk about it. But he's dressed uh, uh, like he's got all face painted up like a like a tribal warrior. And he's got a big spear and he goes into a Seven Eleven, and then <laughs> close up on his face. Okay, give me a all bottle right. of anything. So and then uh, he's been a puppet, a pirate, a poet, a pawn, and a king, and up and down all around. I know one thing: that's life, because he covers that's life. And then they call him Diamond Dave. And I'll tell you why. All right. I can't wait. I, I, I can't wait. Can I get in, So usually I know we start out with where he was born, right? I mean, yeah, that's like, what we're going to do. Okay. Can I, can, I don't know. I don't know a lot about this guy other than his, you know, some of his music, his few videos, a few of the MTV music video award things that he did. Oh, just a Certainly. But I'm going to guess he was born in California. Uh, we'll put up another fail for you. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Richard right. Dawson, you got two stri- two strikes. All right. Uh, October tenth, nineteen fifty four. Born David Lee Roth. You always love that when it's their name. Uh, Bloomington, Indiana, USA. You could have given me fifty guesses, and I wouldn't have gotten Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Guam? I don't know. I'm out of states. I got I got nothing. Nobody's from Indiana. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Well. David Lee Roth's from Indiana. He was born to parents Nathan Lee Roth, his dad, and Sybil Lazar Roth. She changed her name when she got married. That's his mom. His father is a prominent ophthalmologist. Ben, what's an ophthalmologist? Ophthalmologist? Op- the eye doctor guy? Ophthalmologist, yeah. Yeah, right? Anyway, uh, yeah, yep, just a fancy eye doctor. Not his ornithologist. Mom- no, those are bird people. Bird people. I don't like birds. They freak me out, man. Really? Flying I'm, I'm flying I, dinosaurs. Not a fan. I, I'm I'm actually rather um, affluent in bird loss, so I'm kind of into that stuff. His mom was an art teacher. She also taught Espanol, Spanish, for our American audience and you guys in this show. Thank you for listening, America. Mm-hmm. USA. USA. Sorry, not to exclude Mexico and Canada from North America. Or South America, Central America. I'm digging a hole. Anyway, uh, he has two sisters, Lisa and Allison. We're going to call him Diamond because they call him Diamond Dave, and it's our Diamond episode. So Diamond's paternal grandparents were Askenashi Jews who immigrated from uh, the Ukraine to the U.S. Lisa, Lisa Lee Roth? Lisa Lee Roth? Lisa, Allison. L- I don't know if her middle name was Lee. It's probably Lisa Marie. Lisa Lee. Oh, no. His middle name's Lee? Correct. Same as his father, Arthur Lee, David oh, Lee. Oh, that's why I get mixed up. I I thought maybe his net last it was it was David first name, last name Lee Roth. Hyphenated Lee Roth. Okay. No. Okay. No, so no. the last name yes, is related not... to the woman who made the flag, Betsy Lee Roth. <laughs> all right. Very factual. Here we have. All right. All right. Yeah, go no, ahead. That's not so true. his middle name's Lee, last name's Roth. Correct. Okay. We're Thank just gonna you. call him Diamond. We're just gonna call him the Diamond. Well, no, I learned okay. something. I'm glad you did. That's what this show is to inform and attempt to entertain. I can only learn one thing a show, so I'm out. (laughs) Hoping one of those two hits. Continue. Uh, During the summers, Diamond would often visit his Uncle Manny. He lived in New York City, USA. His uncle ran the club Cafe Wah in Greenwich Village neighborhood. It's a popular hotspot for such music talents as Bob Dylan, The Velvet Underground. Love The Velvet Underground. Oh, yeah. Bruce Springsteen. You like you like the boss, and uh, that's where Jimi Hendrix was kind of discovered, man. Dude, did I did I hear something here recently of 2021 highest earning, grossing, making money um, people in uh, uh, celeb uh, musicians that um, Bruce Springsteen was like at the top of the list? <laughs> I, I I didn't hear that. He's six years old. Uh, he's hanging out with his uncle Manny Diamond. Uh, he gives him a radio, like his uncle gives him a radio. And what's the first thing you do when your uncle, your cool uncle, gives you a radio? Go steal batteries out of the smoke detector, put them in the radio. <laughs> a, you're correct. <laughs> Sorry, that's B. A... <laughs> that is not what Diamond did. Diamond thought he needs a way to find to turn on the radio and change stations without getting out of bed. So uh, he attached a broom handle to it. Uh, why can't you just put the radio by the bed? <laughs> I don't know. This is what he chose. I, I don't know. Brian, do, we'll you re- do, do you have a memory of your first, like, real radio that you got? Well, what do you mean? Because I do, and unfortunately, it was like a, like a 
paper bag brown Fisher Price tape player. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, let me restate the question. Do you remember <laughs> like your first cool radio that you got that was better than yeah, that little Fisher That wasn't a radio though. That was just a tape player. I know the same one. I got it when I was a kid. And <laughs> I'm not true. counting maybe my clock radio that somehow I had. I'm talking like the one right, right. that you could turn up. You were proud to show your friends. It was cool. I mean, it was, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I did, I had, I don't remember, man. I, I am the youngest of three boys in my family. And so I got a lot of hand-me-downs, especially in stuff like that. Oh, and really? We, you and I, we came up in the age of boom boxes, but I don't remember having like a massive boom box. I really boom, don't. Boom box, Brian. Boom. What box. are you, a square? Boom, boom, it wasn't boom. a boom box. It was a ghetto blaster. <laughs> Mine was red. It was awesome. The speakers detached. It took like... 15 d batteries so by the time you <laughs> loaded that tick. baby up it, it yep. weighed like 27 pounds you had a solid 20 pounds on your shoulder and you yeah you know the day you got it for like christmas whatever birthday the first thing i did i loaded that thing up with batteries it in the batteries i don't think they were any cheaper back in the 80s than they are today no probably not no you loaded that thing up with batteries and you threw it up on your shoulder you (laughs) heaved you lofted that thing high on your shoulder you hit the play button next thing you know michael jackson's thriller tapes just blaring through the speakers yeah it's your first radio but you know it's style style changes style does change and like you and i were doing copying the style of the time Little Diamond starts imitating the commercials he sees on TV and starts singing at the table at seven years old. And his family just kind of, they brush it off. They call it, oh, he's just doing that sort of monkey shine stuff again, playing, playing entertainer, you know? And so monkey shine. Well, actually they said monkey hour, monkey hour. It doesn't make any more sense than monkey shine, but we'll go with it. Diamond's monkey hour, they they asked people around him not to mind his craziness when they saw him acting out. Now, however, as years passed, they started realizing that little Diamond's very serious about becoming a rock star and a showman, and he's working hard at it. The Roths... How old oh, was ahead. he when he became serious? Eight? <laughs> eight? Eight or nine, yeah, from what I'm looking at here. Okay, a very serious eight-year-old that wants to be a rock star. Well, they up and move to the right spot for an eight-year-old rock star's dreams. The Roths brief, briefly live in Swampscott, Massachusetts. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you know, that's just churning out regular rock stars by the day. <laughs> All the time. <clears throat> no, we're, we're kidding. But uh, 1963, his, uh, his hopes turn up a little bit. In his teens, the Roth family relocates to Pasadena, California. There it is. That's, that's where he needs to be. He looks like that's where his... His, he was born. I mean, if you yeah, know, man. yeah, it just is just Whoa, mouth. Party, a, yeah, his mouth is agape all the time. Just like, ah, ah, I got a smile. I can't ah, stop, man. It's what's great. you like, I got some long hair again, man. That's ah. awesome. Even though they didn't uh, meet each other when they were kids, Diamond and the Van Halen brothers actually grew up all in Pasadena, California. Apparently, he grew up on the wrong side of the tracks where the Van Halen brothers grew up on the nice side of the tracks. So they had a little different experiences in the same city. So. Well, now Dave, Dave, Dave's dad was a, was a doctor, uh, eye doctor, correct? Uh, that's correct. Yeah. And the, and the uh, Van Halen's were sons of a, I think a prominent dentist family, a big, I mean, they were rich. They're doctors. Yeah. Doc, yeah. So they, yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know what side of the tracks you grew up on there, Dave, but your dad was a freaking doctor. I'm not saying he was the richest doctor. He was a doctor, right? We'll get there. It has to do with public schools and where the lines fall. But uh, just to give people a heads up, 1962... The, the year before, that's when the Van Halens moved to the U.S. from the Netherlands. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but the Van Halens are originally from the Netherlands. I did not know that. So, one I, day... I did not know that. Are you serious? Yeah. That's just a little bullet point, just to let you know. All right. All right. Nobody's from Pasadena, California. Everybody's from somewhere else. Oh, all right. And it's like everybody that lives in Atlanta. <laughs> nobody's from there. <laughs> nobody's from Atlanta. One day, Diamond cycling through the neighborhood. And uh, first, he gets cornered by a guy with a weekend kind of haircut, as he described it, who pushed a stereo out of his way. And he's like, okay. While trying to escape that guy, Diamond starts getting chased by two other guys running. They jumped out of cars. And then soon, two more guys are chasing him, too. So now there's five guys chasing him. Turns out, four of those guys are police officers. Uh, (laughs) Just when he's about to escape... He spots the only out, right? He's like, he's he's on his bike. And he's got like one out for he, for he's going to get pinned in here. Got to have an out. Got to have an out. Diamond gets blocked by a guy walking his dog on a leash. Why, why, why are they all chasing him, Brian? Well, he, he just ran up on the guy with the dog on his leash. He's just in his way. Because, you know, when you're on the run, people in front of you don't know you're on the run. So, <coughs> they, yeah, they, they slow coughing. up. Now, however, he manages to find a small opening, which he thanked Jesus for. He's like, don't tell me there's no Jesus. And successfully, he escapes them all. We got a quote from Diamond. Damn it. I'm going to do that a lot. Because he's not a bad guy. I always make fun of the bad guys. And this guy, he's not a bad guy. Anyway, we got a quote from Diamond. I knew something was wrong right away. He had had a weekend haircut. Like one of the best haircuts ever. And a beatbox. North of the Orange Grove, where the Van Halens and I grew up. Folks wouldn't recognize both. uh, Just like I did. But there are two Pasadenas. There's no beatboxes, weekend haircuts at Singer Park. And he makes eye contact, talking to his phone and turns and pushes the stereo in the center of the sidewalk, blocking my bicycle. Drops into a baseball stance. I jinx right hard and holy shit. He goes for it. He tackles right. I jinx left. Trick or treat. Two guys explode out of the parked car running at me, man. <laughs> Pissed off. Not, not a sound. I jinx right hard. Now I'm going back the other way. Two more guys, a second car, sunglasses, baseball hats, three-day face. One had gloves. Gloves had wrist straps, hauling ass. No, freeze, stop, please, we'll shoot. I would have stopped. None of that. Even better, guy with the dog steps behind three, three walks, dog across the sidewalk, dog sits. Guy steps back, pulls the leash tight, blocks the only out. I'm completely, totally mental fucked. Don't tell me there's no Jesus. That's a quote. Just enough room off the curb. To the right, freeway off ramp. I stay up. I don't get hit. I remember horns, dog bark. End scene. (laughs) That's literally, I'm assuming that is a quote from some article or interview that he did. (laughs) He he was doing an interview, yeah, talking about, do you ever, do you believe in Jesus? He's like, tell me there ain't no Jesus, man. (laughs) I jinx right. I jinx. Like, what? what? What are you talking about? What? Slip left, fade right. What? I don't know what David Lee Roth just said. <laughs> well, he learned those grammatical skills at the Webb School in Claremont, California, and then on to John Muir High School in Pasadena. His parents had their son, who's prone to daily bouts of hyperactivity. Again, he's still doing that monkey time. 
this time it says monkey time in quotes. Uh, he sees a psychiatrist for three years, as well as attends a horse ranch for troubled teens to build a sense of responsibility. But right now, he's attending Pasadena City College. Uh, he meets these two long hairs called Eddie and Alex. It's the Van Halen brothers. Yeah, yeah, all right. More yeah. context there? No, we're good. Okay. No, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there. During this period, Diamond worked at a hospital. He worked as an orderly, emptying bedpans, changing sheets, uh, doing fun stuff like that. Now, in his late teens, he starts singing solo, as well as with an R&B sort of rock group called the Red Ball Jets. The Red Ball Jets. Yeah, he said the name is in reference to the red dye used in food at the time, including red candy balls, which would sort of really feed into his hyperactivity and lead to more monkey hour. Uh, <laughs> monkey so. hour. I was start using that with my kids. So yeah. Red, red Ball Jets is also the name of a brand of sneaker popular from 1951 to 1971 because that's the kind of research I do. Red, red dye number five or whatever it was. Number eight. Los Angeles, California has another group besides the Red Ball Jets. It's called Mammoth. And uh, remember those Van Halen brothers I was talking about? Mm-hmm, you got mm-hmm. Alex Van Halen on the drums and Eddie Van Halen singing and playing lead guitar. He, pl- he played guitar? Eddie Van Halen does, yeah. yeah. Oh, you can, that's You prob- can look that up. He's got a couple of guitar songs. He's pretty good. He, he, like, he, he was a guitar player. I saw some YouTube where he was singing, but yeah, they claim he was really good at the guitar. Okay. So I guess okay. it's out there. All right. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I didn't know he played guitar. Okay, I hope everybody singer. knows. I hope everybody. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. Almost did it without laughing. I had to break there at the end. Yeah, Zeddy Van Halen is a widely considered a guitar god, a legend of the six string, and um, yes, definitely in easily in the top five of greatest guitarists of all time. Yeah, he he was not. So my, I'm just going to take a, a side a sidebar that's not that far. Sidebar. sidebar. All right. Here we no, go. I mean I remember watching an interview with with him, and he was talking about how he would come up with these different guitar techniques and he was worried that if he showed people, you know, he'd play like, um, make an album and people all go buy the album. some of their biggest ones yep. and, and, and people would just get, can't even figure out. They, they accused him of faking it. How did he do it? How did yeah. he do it? Or it was done on, on, on loops Multiple and tracks. computers. Yeah. Yep. And so he, he knew he was onto something, but he was selling tons of records. So, and he's like, I didn't want people knowing what I, how I was doing it because I didn't want copycats. It's kind of my thing. I invented this. Or at least I took it from other artists and made it better. And he one day then realized he could turn around and show everybody what he did. And nobody could freaking repeat it. Nobody <laughs> could. I mean, today, yes, kids grow up from age zero learning how to hammer on those keys like Ed Van Halen. Marcin, baby. Yeah, and they Marcin. can and they can do it now, but back then, people, no way, no way could you want to you want to see the modern Eddie Van Halen? You go look up one Eddie Van Halen, but two, look up a kid named Marcin, and that's that's what Ben's talking about. Just is think, he the guy oh. that has a, a he does it with the uh, uh, um, acoustic guitar? Yep. Yeah, and it's like seven different instruments on a guitar. <laughs> yeah, one kid, seven instruments, Holy one guitar. Cow. Why isn't why isn't that Led Zeppelin and stuff? Why isn't he? Because he's. I don't know. Because people don't appreciate skill anymore. I suppose. I guess you're right. I guess, and that makes me sad. Because I was listening to some of Janis Joplin the other day. Like, there's no way she's ever. And I think we've talked about something. She's today would never even get out of the trenches no 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 
No, dude. And she was freaking no. awesome. Right. All right. Continue. Well, something else that I found was totally awesome was occasionally the Red Ball Jets would uh, rent a PA system from Mammoth for 10 bucks a night. <laughs> Big money. Dude, well, back in the day. Uh, after a couple of failed auditions, Diamond joins Mammoth as their lead singer finally. He tried and failed, tried and failed, and they're like, geez, he just keeps showing up. Let's, let's give him the job. He's just a singer. <laughs> nice. Dude, if my uh, Ike listen. Turner quotes aren't going to keep coming through every single episode from, what was Ike Turner number two for us? Somewhere in the 20s, yeah. What are you doing here if you're not bringing up Ike Turner? That's right. That's my job. That's the only job I got. All right. Well... Speaking of somebody who uh, starts running the show right from the get-go, 1974, Mammoth officially changes its name to Van Halen. Now, according to Diamond, this was his idea. He felt like that sort of moniker offered more long-term identity, and it's got kind of the aesthetic with the V and the H, so that and the marketing. He's like, man, it's kind of like Santana, but it's, it's cooler. It is a, it is a neat name. It, I mean, David Lee Roth is his name, and he didn't change that. And the Van no. Halen boys are Van Halen boys. It's very cool. Yeah, it's I like cool. that one. Like yeah. you said, when it's their names, their names. Their names, are, that name works. That name works. What else worked was uh, they would perform originals and cover songs. Van Halen eventually gained success in the Pasadena, sort of West Hollywood, L.A. areas. So they're becoming uh, a larger known name. Record producer Ted Templeman, who produced several albums for Van Halen, said, quote, I saw their set. They were like 11 people in the audience. And they were playing like they were at the forum. So they bring it every time, man. So uh, they become regular feature on the Sunset Strip. Clubs like, oh, God, Garzari's, Myron's, Whiskey A Go-Go. I know that one. And the Starwood Club. 1976, as I alluded to, Gene Simmons takes note of the band. In particular, Eddie Van Halen, whom uh, Gene hoped to recruit for his own band, Kiss. Uh, he assisted them in producing a 29-track demo tape featuring many of the songs that would in be included on the first three albums. <laughs> that garnered a little major label interest. Not a whole lot of people so took too much of a shine to it. The first three albums that Van Halen churned out were on a demo tape. I mean, kind that of. That was their demo tape. Yeah, no, and that was their Gene demo Simmons tape. Gene Simmons had a part in that? He was like, man, this guitar kid is good, this Van Halen guy, so we're going to, yeah, categories. So no, he's like, man, this guitar player is really good. A, got to steal him and get him in Kiss, and B, oh, we got to get them signed, man. And so that's what he helps him with the demo tape. I mean, I guess timing's about right. I, guess, I feel like Kiss is older than that, but maybe not. No, man. 1976, they're, they're right there in the midst. So early 1977, however, during the fourth month, uh, at the Starwood, Warner Brothers executive Mo Austin and producer Ted Templeman signed them to a two-album contract, one that heavily favored Warner Brothers, <laughs> but <laughs> offering yeah. only a 70-cent-per-unit royalty. Now, manager Noel Monk, then an equal partner in the band Revenue, renegotiated this rate to more than $1.40 in 1979. So they got hosed for the first couple of years, and then people are like, all right, there's some longevity in these kids. Let's start doing some work. Yeah, but, you know, I have a, tr a tough time thinking about, you know, from the record label's point of view compared to the, uh, uh, the, the entertainer's point of view. Oh, okay. There's so many entertainers that are just flashes in the pan. You know, they don't, they don't play out. They don't go on to do anything more than a one-hit wonder. And if you're going to start offering these people way much, they got to prove themselves a little bit because 
Labels got a little skin in the game. They got to do a lot of shit to get these freaking albums out there. Back then, today it's a maybe different. Any Tom, Dick, and Harry can start a record label, it seems like. That's true. To de- today. Crime and, music, crime and music records, everybody. If you want to. No, I'm kidding. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could. We're huge. We're huge. We can do it. That's what she said. We've got five songs, I think, in our repertoire from other people. Thanks, guys. Come keep bringing the songs in. Um, speaking of bringing the songs, released 1978, the debut album Van Halen is recorded at Sunset Sound Recorders and immediately earns the band significant national attention and radio airplay. They tour for three months at the bottom of the bill, supporting rising superstars Journey and Montrose, and then another nine months opening for Black Sabbath, and they steal the show every night on both tours. It's pronounced Montrose, but... Correct. Um, hmm, I would not guess it was in 1978. I... Felt like Van Halen was pure eighties. Oh, we're getting mid, there, my mid, man. Mid eighties, like not seventy eight seems so far away. But you're, well, I, I know you're right. I mean, I, I know, yeah. The album reaches number nineteen on the Billboard two hundred, so they crushed it. Now, here's a weird story: December third, nineteen seventy nine, the Who, the what? No, the Who. Ah. Uh, were, they're about to play the Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati when a stampede to get into the venue saw 11 people killed and uh, several others seriously injured. Now, there's a whole bunch of misinformation, and the cops didn't really seem to care too much. There were staffing issues. Festival seating had led to the, some of the deaths, and it left promoters and security around that area on edge, right? So April 24th, 1980, less than five months after that catastrophe, Van Halen's playing the Coliseum, Riverfront, Cincinnati. Uh, sorry, it's Riverfront Coliseum in Cincinnati. <clears throat> and the city of Cincinnati had sort of done away with general admission seating. They're like, no more of that. Like, everybody just sort of push away to the front. And they're keeping a close eye on all the possible rowdiness. And, like, that who incident really sort of, they were ready to clamp down, you know, oh, the slightest monitor. indiscretion. Yeah, right? Well... Late in the set, <laughs> ending Van Halen 2, Light Up the Sky. That's a good song. After Alex's drum solo, Diamond shouts, light him up. Now, for added effect, in the live setting, he repeated the phrase, which some people in the audience took to mean sort of, you know, light up what you have to smoke if you got drugs or whatever. Now, the problem is everything fell under the umbrella, umbrella of illegal, no matter what it was, because they were all tightened up from that who thing. So... A crackdown by the officials included a ban on smoking, a ban on open flames, and a ban on lighters in the arena at that time. Now, a hundred concert goers were thrown out by security for violating uh, smoking things, uh, alcohol, and lighters. 177 were arrested for drugs, alcohol charges, additionally, according to police. There's a quote from Sergeant Richard Testiforf. Sounds like a hard ass. It is the worst crowd since the Who concert. The crowd Thursday night is incited by more than the band, uh, more than most bands. So, did we ever tell the story on this podcast about when um, you might have? I, I mean, we went to so many concerts back in the day at like Pine Dude, Knob, which Pine Knob's not bad. Sure. Pine Knob, by the they way, they call it Pine Knob again. Yeah. I never stopped. Woo. Never stopped. <clears throat> but we were there watching Ted Nugent. A group of us. I don't know who was there. Okay. And we're in the lawn, which meant you, you general admission. The the the, the numbered seating was down <laughs> underneath the Is this pavilion. The bonfire in the grass. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and so, I don't know what Ted Nugent's songs were playing. Nobody really listened to him, anyways. Um, Fred Bear. 
Yeah, so it could be like, you know. Uh, the, so they were serving beer. They were serving beer in uh, uh, wax-coated paper cups. I remember that. Like, they're pretty good. For sure. Pretty damn good cups. Like, it, was a nice, yeah, it was a decent beer Solid cup, cup you know. It, it held your before beer. Before red solo cups. Before yeah. plastic cups were the thing. These were like wax-coated paper cups. And so at some Ted Nugent concert, everybody's lighting these cups on fire, and they would burn like a little tiki torch. And when they got too close to your hand, you'd throw everybody, like, kind of throw throw in a pile. Pine Knob is an outdoor amphitheater with the first section of of several dozen rows uh, covered, and then there's a large grass hill that you can sit on for general seating. Yeah, so, so I remember we're just, you know, everybody's got burning cups, and everybody at the end would throw them in a pile. And our friend Matt, well, he was he was not only throwing his cup in a pile, he decided to go look around on the ground and find as many cups as everybody's he could. Everybody's cups. <laughs> Build up the fire. Get a big old fire. <laughs> like getting ready to, you know, roast a lamb or something. And <laughs> and so security came and grabbed them and kicked them out. Matt is now on the other side of the of the of the uh, like uh, the, the fence. The fence. fence. Yeah. And he's just hanging on the fence and he has nowhere to go because we got the car and there's still everybody's <laughs> on the inside of the fence. He's in the and he's so pathetic. The whole guys, I hey go guys. Home or, I'll go home. I can't, they won't let me come back in. And we're like, sorry, bro. <laughs> You're going to wait right there. Or did you build a burning man pyre on the hill? Yeah. So I mean, the, the, the concert, the concert venues will only put up with so much. You are correct. Much like our friend Matt, Diamond is charged uh, with encouraging the audience to violate the fire code. He paid $5,000 in bond. Bet you Matt wished he could have done that. And he was let go that night, promising that he'd return for the following week for an arraignment. Now, that July, the charges against Diamond are dismissed after a request by the Cincinnati DA, who isn't able to prosecute because of a lack of clarity in the law and how it was broken. Got like a loophole. Correct. Diamond is often credited with promoting Van Halen's image, described as "quote a nonstop booze and babes party train." That's legit. I think that that's exactly what they were. Now, despite this wild man image, Diamond is key to the band's success, not just as a high kick and tight pants capizio wearing singer and lyricist, but as a de facto chairman of the board in the band decisions of business, marketing, and publicity. So he was. He had his hands on the. Uh... The, the puppet strings for the band. Correct. Huh. I did not know. I, I would have guessed that would have mostly been like Eddie's deal. Uh, you know, it sounds like that might have been the case after. Well, let's know. Anyway, we'll get there. Now, speaking of business, let's talk about the brown M&Ms. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. The, the, uh, the. You know this? Yeah, I've heard this story. Go ahead. Okay. Yep. What happens when you become uh, decently known artist is you get a thing called a rider and that's where clause is written into your contract and the clause is included in the contract they had a thing about brown m&ms like there were to be a giant bowl of m&ms backstage and you can ask for anything man people get lobsters beers i mean some people and, and, have well like, those riders are super duper freaking specific right it's hyper specific like yeah. it's got to be a certain brand of tape you know and, <laughs> and like and, whatever man i mean and i think that you can tell the coolness of a band from the rider. Either it's simple, like just bring me some, you know, three pizzas and two cases of beer, 
Right. That's a cool. That's just like easy. Okay. Awesome. You're just, uh, you know, any pizzas, any beer, don't care. And then there's, and then there's the ones that are take out all my brown M&Ms or make sure that there's only great grape lollipops. And I only want this kind of beer and it's got to be in, you know, a 10 ounce can instead of a 12 ounce can. And they make all these different people jump through hoops. But then there's a, another one that you think is a dick move, but it's actually super cool because they'll say, I need 17 cases of Budweiser, 17 cases of Bud Light. I need to have three 10 foot long subs. On, and it's just this huge rider. <laughs> oh, you're having a party. <laughs> all right. No, they're feeding and, and giving all that alcohol oh, the crew. to the crew. Those nice. were the cool riders. No, those were the ones where you would look at it, and if you didn't know any better, you would think, these guys are dicks. I mean, they're just asking for way too much. But right, no, the band right. didn't give two shits. They were giving it to all their, you know, the roadies, cool, the guys. Man. And so they would leave the dressing room, go on stage, do their thing, and all the rest of their, their crew. I mean, these are people that they get to know real well because they're traveling with them. And well, we get some stories later for sure. Yeah, and 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 that were th- those were the cool riders. Just to clarify, I don't think we did mention it specifically, but yes, that's the deal. Is the brown M M&M and M clause is that there's to be no brown M and Ms in a giant big bowl of M and Ms. Now the clause is not there because of ego, like like Ben's saying. It's not there for the crew either. I'm sure they could have them, but uh, Diamond put it in there to make sure that the contract got red because the structural stage specifications in that contract had to be so specific they had to make sure that everybody read them thoroughly and and knew exactly what to do when provided with the stage when it shows up to their town so diamond uh, so we put it in there as like a like a like a safety check like a valve like a right so like imagine if you go backstage and you see there's just a bowl of m&ms there's a bunch of brown m&ms in there and you're like oh man they didn't didn't read read the the specs yeah, and okay. so what happens is wow, that's uh, that's actually kind of smart. <laughs> right. Well, right here's that's... here's why. Perfect example. Now Dave's talking about a time he did find some brown M and M's in the bowl, and he flipped out. He's like, "Are you kidding me?" Now the press accused Diamond of causing eighty five thousand dollars worth of damage to the arena because he found brown M and M's in the bowl, but uh, most of the damages were actually due to the Van Halen stage sinking through the floor. Now, quote from Diamond, quote. They didn't bother to look at the weight requirements or anything. And, and this sank through the new flooring and did $80,000 worth of damage to the arena floor. The whole thing had to be replaced. It came out in the press that I discovered brown M&Ms and did $85,000 worth of damage to the backstage area. Well, who am I to get in the way of a good rumor? <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. That's very interesting. That's fun. That's, I, I, I mean, we all heard the brown M&M story. Oh, but yeah, we absolutely. never knew any of the background on it. And very they good, don't Brian. tell you those things. They don't tell you. This is my, that's our job, Ben. It's what we do here. That's what well, you do. I, do. I'm, I just listen and learn. Well, okay. Listen and learn to this one. When it comes time to have his mic stand polished by adoring fans, Diamond liked to have a wide selection of women to choose from. So uh, what are you doing? You're struggling with a drink? Uh, no, I'm not struggling excited? at all. All right. <laughs> I got it down. Well, I'm sure you'll approve of this. Uh, Dave created a thing called Diamond Dave's Bonus Program to incentivize members of the road crew. Um, He wanted them to sort of corral his nightly girls, basically. So each member of the crew is given five backstage passes to distribute during every show. And whoever handed out the pass to somebody he slept with 
got a hundred bucks. So the program became so popular, it increased the crew efficiency, cutting the time it take to tear down at the end of the night in half. Wow. He said during his years with Van Halen that quote, this up with every pretty girl with two legs. So uh, Diamond's sexy macho but poetic, often jovial lyrics worked in perfect harmony with the rock guitar sounds composed by Eddie Van Halen, a sound style that helped the band raise to the top of the Billboard pop charts in 1984 with their quintessential album, 1984. So their first and only number one LP. So he gave all the dudes <laughs> and the, the roadies and the sound guys Backstage yes. passes to hand out to pretty girls. Each roadie got five backstage passes to hand out to various girls, so Dave had a wide selection of women to choose from. So they all came backstage after the concert, and he picked a couple to bed. Yes. To bed. To no, to no, no, none of that. No. No, what? No. That we not that we know of. Allegedly. Well, how'd they win the hundred dollars? Uh, if Dave liked that girl and uh gave her a soda. Then he'd be like, hey, man, you picked a nice soda girl. Here's $100. Good good taste for you, sir. Oh, I, your, your I, I, think, we all, my I think we all know where that went. <laughs> I mean, he's soda. But those were willing participants. Those ladies knew the dealio. Yeah. I mean, no, they knew. Right? They, were there the for, they were there for the, for the C. Um, so how did that help? The contest. How did they? They were there for the contest? The contest, yes. The uh, contest. How did that help the stage get torn down quicker? Uh, the dudes wanted to make the extra money of picking out the girls and stuff. So imagine if you picked out five girls, Dave gives you 500 bucks. Yeah. You're good. So well, how'd they get the stage show on faster? Incentive, my man. And, and, you know, it's called the Parkin. It's not Parkinson's disease. It's actually <clears throat> Parkinson's syndrome, uh, where the amount of time it takes to complete a task will expand and contract depending on the amount of time you are given to complete that task. So if you got a, remodel your kitchen in a week uh that's it'll kind take of a, a week if you gotta remodel your kitchen i know that's what i'm talking about kitchens <laughs> if you if you gotta <laughs> if you got three weeks to remodel your kitchen guess what it's gonna take three weeks so it's a parkinson's effect uh, we're going on anyway. two years all right so all right all right, yeah, right. It's, it's so seven for a bathroom but, but are, uh, the contest. Are, you, are you really trying to make me believe that he was only giving these girls a soda pop i mean he was like he was soaking up the rock star lifestyle Soaking, yes. Soaking, soaking impossible Look jump it pumping. up. It's a Mormon thing. Soaking. That's right. The LDS, man. They know what's up. Soaking. So uh, I talked about a contest. I, you were talking about a contest. 1984, MTV launched a contest to uh, have this crazy lost weekend, they called it. So this rock and roll experience. The contest promised one lucky winner and a guest a weekend full of 100% access to rock star treatment with Van Halen. Now. Pennsylvania resident Kirk Jeffries was the lucky winner of that contest. Uh, at that time, he was 20 years old. He mailed in eight postcards to MTV, and a month later, got a phone call saying he would be going on tour with Van Halen. That sounds fun. Offers immediately sounds began fun. pouring in from people looking to persuade Jeffries to take him uh, or them as his guest. Jeffries recalled that he was offered cash, motorcycle from a guy, uh, several women propositioned him with sex if they gave him the extra pass. Jeffries eventually chose his best friend Tom because who doesn't have a best friend named Tom? And uh, <laughs> did he start they Facebook? Went, did, is that the guy that started Facebook? It, it's MySpace or MySpace? Yeah, fine. Oh, sorry, you Tom. So uh, yeah, exactly. Jeffries and the MySpace creator. Uh, MTV limo pulls up 
to take them to the waiting Learjet that would fly them to the beautiful magical city of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, and the two immediately began drinking in preparation for their weekend. I get that. <laughs> Upon landing in Detroit, Detroit, as we say here, uh, the guys were greeted by swarms of women at the airport waiting for the band who recognized they, they're like, oh, we're looking for the band. Hey, those are the contest winners. Woo! And so they swarmed those dudes. Jeffries recalled that when they arrived at the venue, they were escorted backstage and the band greeted them with open arms like they were family. <clears throat> they treated us like one of the guys uh, really paid attention to us, Jeffries said. Now... <laughs> Apparently, he's still going through puberty at 20. Yeah, well, he was young at that time and nervous. Now, uh, this other dude, Kurt, immediately shotgunned a couple beers with uh, Diamond here and exchanged introductions with the rest of the band. It's like, hey, nice to meet you guys. Chug it down. During the concert, Diamond took the opportunity to show the guys what it felt like to stand in front of 12,000 screaming rock fans, and he brought the guys on stage and said, hello. And so... After the show, uh, the fellas enjoyed a steak and a lobster dinner uh, with the band and the crew. I'm curious where they ate. And then the party really started. Quote from Jeffries. It was just a huge party. Uh, We were just hanging out and drinking malt liquor and Jack Daniels. Uh, Throughout the whole weekend, Eddie kept telling me that if I drank too much Jack Daniels, I'd start growing a giant patch of hair in my chest like Dave. (laughs) Now, the rest of the night. (laughs) All right. Rest of the night, there's a bit of a haze for for Jeffries. Uh, He said he eventually ended up in a shower with a woman named Tammy before waking up the next morning in the bathtub with, uh, quote, the worst hangover of my entire life. Dude, you weren't doing the 80s right if you didn't wake up in a a shower with a girl named Tammy, period. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. (laughs) That is just the way the the 80s was. That's just the. Uh, There were so many Tammies back then. So many Tammies. Yeah, Ys and Is, they're everywhere. Now, the second night, the guy's weekend, uh, that was just as rowdy as the first, but the contest winner admitted um, he had the most interesting time just chatting with Eddie Van Halen and his wife, Valerie Bertinelli, that's where I'd be, then chasing after girls backstage. So the night eventually ended with Jeffrey's getting- Brian, what did you say? That's what you you would be chatting with Oh, dude, I had a big big crush on Valerie Bertinelli. That chick was like- Come on, sing it, Brian. Little Amy Winehouse. Oh my God, Valerie, Valerie! Dude, I threw. Won't I, you come on over, Valerie? I threw. I threw her YouTube channel on for a while the other day. Oh, it's so good! <laughs> it's pretty freaking good. Check out our Amy Winehouse. Episode, I did guys. not. Re- I did not lady. realize how freaking good she was because I did not. I, she was not in my radar other than her, 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 her muddled life when she was a singer, and then. It was in. It was after she, you know, died. I started listening to something like, "Holy cow!" Her voice is unlike anything you hear anymore these days. It was legit. Yep, I agree, my man. I like that. Hey, I, like, I feel the same way about Miley Cyrus. So I'm sorry. I do, man. Butterflies in my tummy and got my shoes and everybody else wearing high heels. If you listen to Wrecking Ball, if you took out a little bit of those lyrics. When they go, save me. It, that's a good song. Take that part out. It, it's a great song. <laughs> All right, continue. I hate that part, but the rest of I it is great. Part. Now, uh, much like this whole entire <laughs> crazy lost weekend thing, um, the night eventually ends with Jeffries getting into a food fight with Diamond and several security guards, while his buddy Tom, a victim of the party, he is found in a closet wearing a bra. And uh, it was a weekend that the young fans would never forget. And as Jeffries put it, it the best time of my life. I bet it was. It sounds fun. Looking back at <laughs> Diamond's tenure, Van. <laughs> it sounds right. great. I want to do it today. 
Oh, that would be the best. I don't care. Dave can be no. what he's sixty. I'm in my mid twenties. Uh, don't, don't date the show, bro. <laughs> Let's go hang out with that guy. Looking back at Diamond's tenure with Van Halen, uh, that's described as, quote, the monster rock action squad that ruled the charts and the airwaves for seven years. Uh, Despite the band's seven-year financial and artistic success, a creative rift developed between Diamond and Eddie Van Halen early on. Diamond's interested in popularity, original, even cover songs about partying, dancing, women, sex, along the lines of Aerosmith, ACDC, or even disco. While Eddie, he wanted a darker, deeper sort of tunes in minor keys and like those in the fourth LP, Fair Warning, if you guys are familiar with that. Or the movie Twister. Uh, yeah, yeah, basically. There you go. Exactly. Now, you know what? It's funny is I've seen a lot of versions of Van Halen. I used to be able to see I've seen every version of Van Halen because I've seen David Lee Roth. I've seen Sammy Hagar. I even saw Gary Sharon. But I didn't get any farther than that. So we'll get there, guys. Don't worry about it. Anyway, um, they had been perfect artistic foils for the first three albums, like between Eddie and Dave. But their fifth album, Diver Down, there's this disgruntled Eddie kind of sacrificing the synthesizers and guitar riffs. They did five cover songs, three of which became singles, Dancing in the Street, Where Have the Good Times Gone, and Pretty Woman. Now, Eddie didn't really want to do that stuff. So 1983, Eddie designs and constructs a state-of-the-art recording studio at his house. And the band has this full-time engineer, this guy, Don Landy. Oh, now, Don Landy. Record- We've talked about this. You got a recording studio. You got a, some engineer, some backyard gnome <laughs> living out there, some old bearded dude running the buttons and switches. This leads to creative conflicts because it allows Eddie to dominate the recording sessions without much input from the diamond. It's my ball. So- it's my basketball yeah, court. Right. If you don't like it, leave. You could go. Uh, now, he begins to experiment in almost like a new wave direction with keyboards and synthesizers while Diamond's looking for that guitar-heavy rock and roll, hard rock sort of thing. 1985, while still a member of Van Halen, the Diamond releases Crazy from the Heart, an electric solo EP with a bunch of offbeat pop standards. And then Van Halen fired him. <laughs> they did just they it wasn't like they broke up because it was all right you're gone you get to go now yeah no their their managers suggested that uh diamond was testing the waters for potential solo career and according to their manager he formally parted ways with van halen bandmates in august 1985 although an urban legend persists that it's april 1st april fool's day so maybe it wasn't really true but he does. He leaves. He takes 60 Van Halen employees with him, including head of security, Ed Anderson. And in 1998, there's an autobiography, Crazy from the Heat. And the bitter Dave characterizes Van Halen's music just before his 1985 departure as, quote, morose. Morose? He calls it morose. And with that, we're going to lead into... Uh, a break. We're gonna take a little break right now. So, hey, do you do you remember that break that we took that one time when we did a uh, jo- Boy George? Yeah, oh, I, I think so, <laughs> dude. I can't get over that. That was so. It was like a one and a half year break. We'll come back before that, man. No. I'm telling you. Yeah, we're gonna get the rest of this baby pounded out. We're gonna we're gonna get her. Do laid not down. pound on babies, everyone. Don't, don't, don't pound. No babies. baby pounding. This baby no we're pounding out. Don't pound any All other right. babies. We'll be right back. Enjoy this.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're back. How was that break? Good. Back to Diamond Dave, late 1985, now separated from Van Halen, the Diamond assembles a virtuoso supergroup consisting of guitarist Steve Vai, that was uh, Frank Zappa's guitarist, bassist Billy Shahan, previously of Talus, oh yeah, Talus, I remember that, I haven't said it in a while, and drummer Greg Bissonette, one of my personal heroes, uh, he was previously of... Uh, Maynard Ferguson's big band, so you guys wouldn't know about that jazz big band swing. Anyway, yeah, he's a classically jazz jazz trained drummer. Diamond releases a debut solo LP, "Eat 'Em and Smile," in July 1986. The album saw Diamond's return to hard rock music, but incorporates some of those eclectic musical tastes, including a jazz cover of Frank Sinatra's "That's Life." That's what all the people say. Do you, do would riding high on Sunday, shot down in May. Would would I recognize any of his solo stuff? Uh yeah, we might get there. What, no, would I? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, oh yeah, that's I would say anything he did. What would I know about Diamond Dave that wasn't Van Halen? Well, let me get you there. Okay, okay. Uh, Eat 'em up and smile. Met with widespread commercial success, charting at number four on the Billboard Top 200, selling over 200 million copies in the U.S. alone. January 1988, the Diamond released Skyscraper as a more experimental LP, featuring the single. Just like paradise. Oh, okay, yeah. I guess we know all know that one. Just like paradise. Co-produced by Diamond and Steve Vai under the working title Cliffhanger, Skyscraper peaked at number six on the Billboard album charts. Ultimately, sold two million copies in the USA. A different point during each concert, Diamond would surf above the audience on a surfboard suspended at the rafters and lowered into the center of the arena, sometimes by a boxing ring. They had. All this crazy road setup when they would go out and see them in tour. You can see the Just Like Paradise video, and it shows you all of these cool things with the boxing ring and the surfboard and Just Like Paradise. But that was fun. I wish I remembered a verse. Honestly, it was. That was, that was fun. fun. Yeah, you would go to a concert. It would be packed with sixty thousand people, and the and the act oh, yeah. would get, come out into the crowd. Whether it was like, um, uh, what was that? Uh, Pamela Anderson's boyfriend there, the husband guy, Tommy Lee. Yeah. He'd come, come over the crew. in the in the drum cage. It would spin drum upside would float over down. The I've oh, seen that was, in person. It was wonderful. That shit was legend, and that was fun. And then you know it's it's kind of get it it kind of gets dumbed down a little bit. And I remember going to a Tom Petty. Um, <laughs> everything was better when I was a kid. Well, I think you know it got to the point where everything was so commercial, and it was on MTV, and it was on the TV. You guys, sellouts. Then eventually, it was on the computer. So they could put videos out that us. were that were really freaking cool, but I then see. they could come into the concert and just set it up in an hour, play on a stage, whatever. They didn't have to have a lot of extra stuff, but now they're getting back into it where they'll have stages that come out into the crowd a little bit, and they'll have some more interaction. I, that's fun, because when you heard about that stuff, like Dave, Diamond Dave would come out there and you know come out in a boxing ring or a surfboard. 
That made news, made headlines, it made memories. It was a lot of fun. And that was kind of like a thing from the 80s that it was more of a show than a concert. That's correct. Yeah. Dave was an entertainer. There was even a part uh, where there was a Calypso segment where the band would come out and play steel drums in an unplugged segment. They performed acoustic covers. They did rock and roll classics. Yeah, like now, Jane's Addiction. On the other side of the fun and games, following the tour for Skyscraper, Steve Vai, the guitarist, left the band to pursue a solo career and record and tour with Whitesnake. I had a lot of Whitesnake on that uh, old Fisher-Price tape player I used to listen to. <laughs> I was going to say, that cardboard brown tape player, yeah. you know it. And, and then we got the big boombox, the big red boombox that we talked about earlier. <laughs> January 1991, Diamond's hard rock album, A Little Ain't Enough, Achieves RIAA gold status shortly after its release. Later in 1991, Nirvana comes around. You ever hear of that band? They started a movement called the Grunge Rock Movement. That sort of altered popular taste, and it kind of made Diamond and his brand of hard rock seem a little bit out of fashion, a little old school. So Diamond's band fractured, and uh, after the tours completed, they sort of went their own ways. When grunge put an end... To pop rock. To hair, to hair bands. To hair, yeah. to, to hair bands. Grunge killed hair bands. It, it, yes. it did. You would, you would get into grunge and you would look back at some of that stuff that was out there before then at that time. Not now, because now we judge it all equally. But you would right. think, that was so stupid. That was so, <laughs> that was so much pap. Just so much fanfare. That was so much just glam. It was, it was facade. And grunge, a lot of Aquanet, man. Yeah, and grunge was deep and meaningful, and from the heart, and sad. Not a lot of hairspray, <clears throat> but I'll say that not a lot of prep. Looking at it from today's standard, their balls—they're just both awesome. <laughs> oh, so it's amazing great. to have come up through both, so right? Great. You lived lived through both of that, man. Ni- April nineteen ninety three, Operation Doubleheader. It sounds like a baseball game. What's a doubleheader, Ben? It's a baseball game where you play two games in the same day. There's two games going on here because during a drug sweep of Ishing Park Square, Ishing Square Park, Diamond is arrested with 24 other people on drug charges in New York City's Ishing Square Park. He was arrested for buying what he described as $10 worth of Jamaican bunk reefer from an (laughs) undercover cop. Now, when asked by Howard Stern whether the bust was a publicity stunt, Diamond said, <clears throat> Howard, in New York City, a small bust is a $35 traffic citation. It literally says, Buick, Chevy, other. Your dog poops on the sidewalk, it's 50 bucks. If I was looking for publicity, I would have pooped on the sidewalk. <laughs> I believe he's right. But what was the term he used for the weed that he bought? Jamaican bunk reefer. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds racist against Jamaicans, Dave. I'm sorry. Well, at least they didn't do the accent. March 1994, Diamond releases Your Filthy Little Mouth, a music eclectic album produced by Niall Rogers. Niles. It was not well received, proving to be his first solo effort not to achieve RIAA gold or platinum status. This is kind of like his first real flop. Well, that's pretty Quote, good, though. I mean, if he's gone this far. And was that at the beginning of grunge and he is still trying to push his brand? Oh, yeah. He's yeah. still trying to do, like, show tunes and stuff while grunge is killing the airwaves. Yeah, that's, so. that's the reason. I mean, that's probably the reason. We got a quote from the Diamond at that time. Quote, 
I had a drug problem. Now I'm making enough money. <laughs> does that mean he, the problem was he didn't have enough money for drugs? Now he does? I think the problem is if you make enough money, people don't care what you do. That, yeah, that's freaking true. Yeah, run with it. 1995, the Diamond returns with an adult lounge act performed largely in Las Vegas casinos. He's got a brass band, which features Nile Rodgers. Edgar Winters, he's a member of the band, and he's got people from uh, the Miami Sound Machine because the rhythm got her and they needed someone to follow. Uh, It's also featured several exotic dancers who Diamond's words were, quote, so sweet, I bet they shit sugar. (laughs) (laughs) So Edgar Winter was there with him? Yeah, man. I like that One of the guy. I like that guy. Pasty white pale dudes yep. and members of the Miami Sound Machine were up there. We were just talking about Miami well, Sound Machine. Who are we talking about? I, well, I somebody's brother. Well, Edgar Winter was uh uh he's a um a dude without the pigment. What's that called? The the Brian, please help me. I'm sorry, I'm stuck on Miami Sound Machine. No, no, Edgar Winter was a, a not a mute. He's a uh, what, what are you thinking? Albino? albino They're yes. not actually albinos, he's dude. Albino. <laughs> he's not an albino. Yes, he is. He's just from the north. He's not. Oh, do you want to Maybe bet? he is. I don't know. I don't he's know. Al- he's I don't, an albino, I don't, but he's a really good okay, guitar I'll trust player. You. <laughs> One is not mutually exclusive from the other. Well, no, but that's at this point, the Venn diagram crossed paths a little bit, and he's in a good guitar player and an albino. Johnny Winter, Edgar Winter, Albino. That's your Venn diagram. <laughs> That's just a circle, man. Am I not right? Am I? Please, I, audience, let us call me out on this let one. Us know. <laughs> I would love to All know. Right. June 1996, Diamond briefly reunites with Van Halen. He records two songs for Van Halen's Best of Volume One. Can't get this stuff no more. And Me Wise Magic. That's a good song. So, can I ask a couple questions? Yeah, I didn't want to bring this up because I figured you're going to cover it. <laughs> Feel free to talk. Go ahead. What am I? What are we covering? How many times did he reunite with Van Halen? Uh, two or three. Okay, <laughs> we're only at we're only at one right now, <laughs> but we'll get back there again. No, this is September fifth, nineteen ninety six, at the MTV Video Music Awards. Uh, Diamond and Eddie Van Halen reportedly threatened each other when Diamond is passed over for Van Halen's vocalist job in favor of Gary Sharon. So you beat me by one card. No, 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 no. No, there's one where they 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 announce David uh David Lee Roth is coming back to play with Van Halen. Okay. And David Lee Roth enters, I mean they're on the stage and David Lee Roth comes out on the stage and his face is just like a gape. It was such a wonderful display of emotion from David Lee Roth when he went from someone who finally got asked back to the party to immediately going into the mode of, I'm in charge now. All right. All right. I I hope people remember that. I remember that. Uh, 1996, Me Wise Magic had everybody's full attention. Van Halen had that psychedelic rock influence thing, and they had Dave on the vocals. Becomes the number one Billboard mainstream rock hit in the late 1990s. Diamond trains as an EMT, an emergency medical technician in New York City. He goes on over 200 ambulance rides. Really? Diamond, age 50 at the time, had been riding for several weeks with New York City ambulance crew in training to become a paramedic. Quote, I've been on over 200 individual rides now. Uh, not once has anyone recognized me, which is perfect for me. 
So uh, he's been riding along with Cruz in the Bronx, Manhattan, Brooklyn, several nights a week. He's trained, seems to be going well. Several weeks ago, Diamond saved the life of a heart attack victim in the Bronx by using a defibrillator. Uh, he takes his work so seriously that he didn't want to have publicity so that that wouldn't like sort of take away what he's trying to do, you know? So he said that he didn't want neighborhoods he's he's working in named so people wouldn't like, hey, I'm going to call the EMT and get hopefully David Lee Roth over here. So uh, his, his uh, training officer, no, his training instructor, Linda Reisman, said, um, you would never know you're dealing with a rock and roll guy. This and, is uh, strangely uh, satisfying if you're a David Lee Roth fan. And you know, I'd never heard, I've never heard that. I'll have not, that's awesome. Good for that guy. Good for you, man. Good for you. His commitment was really touching. He really wants to help people. I'm sure Linda doesn't talk like that. No, but, uh, not, you nailed Linda. <laughs> <laughs> Did I? All right. He he was like He's Elvis EMT. Presley in the EMT world. Yes. <laughs> Just like Elvis Presley. Hey, um, EMT. So check out our two Elvis episodes to know what we're talking so about. So can I bring up something about Elvis real quick? I think it's like episode 50 and 51. I couldn't did you? Yeah, talk about all did, this. I love talking did about Did you know Elvis. he was a twin when he was born, right? Did you know? Yes, we covered that in our episode. And his twin died at birth. Supposedly. So, uh, Allegedly. Uh, don't, don't, don't get ahead of me, Brian. Don't get ahead of me, Brian. <laughs> yeah, welcome to this side of the show, buddy. And Elvis then died in his adulthood. Elvis faked his death, took on his twin's name. Elvis, apparently, there's a good chance, from my limited research, is probably dead by now. Still alive. He took the name of his his dead brother and lived forever, and he's now still alive. All right, Elvis is still alive. All right, continue. Where were we at with Diamond Dave? 1997, Dave writes a well-received New York Times best-selling memoir, Crazy from the Heat. The 359-page book is a selected collection of 1,200... What? The 359-page book is a selected collection of 1,200 pages of monologues, <laughs> which are recorded and transcribed by a Princeton University... Oh, a Princeton University graduate did it, so that's how he got 1,200 pages into 359 pages. And he followed around Diamond for about a year. That'd be a good gig. Would not write a good book, but that'd be fun following around. Eh, if you got paid for it. I suppose. 1998, Diamond releases DLR Band, another album of self-written solo material. The album features popular songs Slam Dunk. 2001, rumors swirled that Diamond and the members of Van Halen had recorded several new songs together, and they were attempting yet another reunion. Diamond and bassist Michael Anthony later confirmed that information, uh, but nothing came of the music. A rumored box set was supposed to come out, but it didn't. So, 2002. The song, whoa, okay, the song for songs, the heavyweight champion of rock and roll tour, the song for songs, the heavyweight champions of rock and roll, that's what it says, rock and roll tour paired Diamond with his musical nemesis, who is David Lee Ross' most hated nemesis and enemy. Oh, I got this. Um, The, the Red Rocker. Oh, is it? I was going to go he's with in Mont- He's in Montrose. Oh, my God, no. It's Sammy Hagar. Yeah, that's probably right. 
Now, this <laughs> song for song heavyweight champion rock and roll tour actually proceeded to revive the career of Diamond David Lee Roth. 2002, Yankee Rose appeared in the video game Grand Theft Auto Vice City playing on the station V Rock. Remember? Yeah, no, yeah. I'm thinking about the Yankee Rose, bright lights, city lights. Diamond becomes more visible, and uh, he's appearing in TV commercials on MTV with Justin Timberlake. 2003, Diamond released an album called Diamond Dave. 2003 also, someone tried to break into his house, and the Diamond wasn't having it. He meets the intruder with his trusty pistola. And he held him at gunpoint until the police arrived. <laughs> quote from Diamond. Quote. Some character comes crawling over what's truthfully like 15 high foot wall. Uh, he ran half the length of the football field around the corner. And when I finally quietly confronted him in the window, he started babbling about the reversion of Martian and takes off running and yelling. So uh, one of the beauties of a uh, uh, piece here, Pistola. Is that you don't actually have to aim it at most people. You just rack that thing as hard as you can a couple times, just like on television. I made him put up his hands, put him behind his head, lie down, sprinkler system, and I went and called the cops. I was a little jumpy, and uh, he turns over and he says in a meek little voice, Excuse me, uh, I'm so thirsty. Can you give me a soda? <laughs> Good for Diamond Dave. He did. That, did, oh, that, did he get him a soda? Uh, unknown. All right, let's get. Da- I'm gonna can say we call, yes. Can we call him? Can we call Dave Lee Roth right now? Probably, probably. Hey, could. quick, Dave. Listen, don't really care about anything but this one story. Did when, you get the guy a soda? When you when you tracked him down in your yard, he was really slow and he had a gun. Apparently, you're racking a pistol. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and you had he him on the ground. Spins, he just spins the uh, spins the revolver. <laughs> Did you get him a soda? Did you hear me? And if you better if stop. So, what kind? And if so, did he drink it before the cops? It's got an R- there? it's an RC Sola, RC Cola oh, in a bottle. There's no way it's an RC Cola, Brian. It's L.A. <laughs> He's in California. Oh, what does every successful and then unsuccessful musician do? 2005, Diamond has a brief career as a, a celebrity. DJ. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with a uh, a celebrity, celebrity reality a reality show. Yeah. No, man, he's got some money. He doesn't need to do that. Uh, he starts a career as a radio DJ. He's hired to fill the shoes of Howard Stern as when Howard moved over to satellite radio, they were like, we need someone who can do it. David Lee Roth. But uh, Diamond's days in radio broadcasting were short-lived. He only lasted a few months before um, he was let go for low ratings. So that didn't work out well for him. <laughs> so in that same vein, who who are some of your notable celebrity slash musician DJs any any notable ones because i got one that comes to mind big time well we've covered uh paris hilton danny bonaducci no no, no um, not not djs like at a at a um concert but no djs that have a like a weekly broadcast show like a casey Kasem. there's ricky rackman there's matt pinhead whatever his name is there's uh alice cooper hmm. Something. is my alice cooper that, he's a good dj he, no so he has like a weekly th- little show that comes out and it's really super freaking good oh d snyder d snyder is my favorite no, d snyder DJ. was a good one too yeah absolutely but alice cooper i think i would like to hang out with alice cooper 
I don't makes a hell of a hot dog. I really don't want to hang out with David Lee Roth. I think I want to hang out with Alice Cooper. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. I I think me and Alice Cooper could go fishing and have a good time. I could see that. You guys could talk baseball. We could talk baseball and we could talk about like Detroit. And if that son of a bitch would break the law, we could talk all about Alice Cooper, but he won't do it. And I bet you we would start early in the day having fun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Ben likes an early start towards the end of the night. Our families would just kind of hang out a little bit. And then by nine o'clock, we're both kind of like, all right, I'll see you later. All right. I will all see right, you later. I'll see you. I'm going to go cool. sit in the hot tub. I, no, Have I'm good. Night. Well, I, I, at nine o'clock, I turn into a, a I'm, I'm done. Ben's a pumpkin. I'm a pumpkin. And Ella- you know why Cinderella's carriage turned into a pumpkin? Because that was the hot fruit gourd at the time. That was brand new. <laughs> from the americas they had never seen anything like it before they were like bam pumpkin <laughs> and that's the kind of research that is, you get on crime music when our host look knows look what it. the hot food gourd of the time was i the, know random shit in the 19 whole purpose in the 1910s was it 19 it was like the six is is like 16 to 18th century but whatever i mean i'm just saying all right, in the 1610s. Whatever, Brian. He knew the gourds. All right, the drink your jug of gin. <laughs> Let me tell you about the hot gourds of 2007. The hot gourd at the time was Van Halen because they were being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in your boy Alice Cooper's hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. That was his hometown? Now. Uh, no, he's just big in Cleveland. He's from Detroit. Dude. That's what he's I thought. Yeah, yeah. No. But he's got Alice Cooper restaurant big in uh, in Cleveland. Got 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 a bunch of stuff. Some ball stadium. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that as Van Halen was being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Diamond refuses to attend the ceremony after learning he's not going to be able to perform. They're like, oh, I thought we'd perform at the ceremony. Like, nope. He's like, well, I'm not coming. Recently, there's been some stories, and these inductees <laughs> come in and they <laughs> they've been lit like seriously slamming the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because of it's a huge money grab. I, I've only been once or twice, but yeah, I, that, was, that, was, that was special. Well, there you go. It's special. It's real special. Music is special, and it heals all, which is why in 2007, Diamond buries the hatchet with the Van Halens and rejoins the group, which now includes Van Halen's son, Wolfgang, on bass, because unfortunately, Michael Anthony's dead. Oh, no. Michael's dead. He did die. He died a little bit. I know. That's our new quote, though, because we had that in the Boy George episode, (laughs) Scotland Yard. Oh, no. Michael's dead. (laughs) It's happening again. He and the rest of the band also went back to the studio. They record 2012's A Different Kind of Truth. The album hits the top of the charts with critics offering mixed assessment. Some are like, eh, Dave's voice is less than dynamic, but he's older. And then some others called them um, the true hero of the recording. You get older, your voice doesn't work the same. It just doesn't. I can't, I can't sing at all. I used to have a killer falsetto. Like That's all I did in the band was some cool falsettos and harmonies. Can't sing worth a damn now. If you listen to old rockers try to play shit from their heyday, and if they were a really good singer back in the day, it doesn't get better with age. Well, I mean, what, the Who's still on tour, right? And the Rolling Stones? So maybe it does. 2012, Diamond and the rest of Van Halen go on tour, but they end up postponing some of the dates scheduled for the summer 
and the fall because uh, sources close to the band said the band members were tired not bickering with one another. It's definitely not internal fighting with the band <laughs> is what they said. So you know it's that. You, you 100% <laughs> know Maybe. it's that. Well, that doesn't matter to Diamond because 2013 to 2014, he spent more than 300 hours getting tattooed in Japan. He also lived there for quite a while, uh, so he's going for one of them full Japanese sailor suits where it's all top to bottom, all just covered. So I I feel like for everything he is or isn't, he kept his money. Oh, it seems like he did well with yeah. that. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, for yeah. every story yeah, you've heard of uh, David Lee Roth, he started out poor, or at least not rich, and then he got famous, and he got rich, and he never squandered his money. <laughs> he stayed rich. And right. it enabled him to just like say, fuck you, I'm going to Japan and getting tattoos for two years. <laughs> I love that story. Hey, and just real quick to any of our listeners that has never experienced going to a Asian market that has really good, like different weird foods that you can't get at Meyer or Kroger at your local little shop. Go find yourself some dark soy sauce. It's so good. (laughs) All right. No, no, don't dismiss me, Brian. I'm not going to dismiss you. I was going to tell you about March 5th, 2015. Diamond releases a new al- a live album from the Tokyo Dome. So I figured that kind of played into your dark soy no, sauce. No, you said he was in so, Japan getting tattoos. I did. And I you recently said dark soy sauce. found out the deal with dark soy sauce, and it's really good. It's, re- it's like if you're into soy sauce... Go one more level up. It's dark soy sauce. That's really good. I suggest go two levels. Go get the Van Halen Tokyo Dome live in concert live album. That we can do both. And have a day. And we can do both. Absolutely. Well, get get dark soy sauce and the new album from David Lee Roth from 2007. Well, it's actually Van Halen, but that's fine. Now, see, here's the thing. You needed to get that because that was kind of the last album because October 6, 2020, Van Halen disbands because, oh no, Eddie's dead. He, Eddie Van Halen dies of cancer. No, no, it's, that's sad. It's the only way I can do it. It's so sad. I have to sort of try and put some humor into no. it. I'm sorry. It made me feel We bad. can feel bad about that. That was a sad day. He was a, a rock icon. I mean, Dude. in the most most literal definition yeah of rock legend he was in the highest level of like. of of rock and rollers and he wasn't only popular he was talented he he made music that no one else could ever make that how who who else has made a bigger impact on guitar playing in the last 50 years no one oh zero i've t- i've challenged every single listener ever Marcin doesn't count. Tell me the greatest guitar player in the last 20 years. Well, name their band, name the band they're in, and then name me a song they yep. play that really highlights their lead guitar ability, and I will gladly listen to and, you. And also factor in influence. No one's contacted us. And on influence. 
So no one's no one's ever <clears throat> Joe Jonas. I heard plays a mean guitar. That's the last thing I ever heard, and no one's ever followed up on. No, that, yeah, so. I mean it, it. It's the full the full the picture end of an era. The big spectrum. He was the end of an era. He was Van Halen. Go, go past it. Moving on. Yep. October first, twenty twenty one. Dave can't move on. He announces that he's going to retire after his last five concerts in Las Vegas. He says, "Quote." I'm throwing in the shoes. I'm retiring. This is the first and only official announcement. You got the news. Share it with the world. I'm not going to explain the statement. The explanation's in the safe. And there are my last five shows. That's it for the music career. Uh, Diamond is now a visual artist working on paintings. He does cartoons. He's got like a social commentary thing in there. You can look that up on his on his website. Um, as I mentioned before, he's been a puppet of poet a pirate a pauper a pawn and a king there's one thing he's never been though you never heard me say it in this entire podcast which is creeping on two hours now is uh he's never been married oh really yeah he said he had four great loves in his life but uh he's not going to name them out of respect for their privacy he has no children that he claims (laughs) or he knows of his 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 trouser (laughs) His uh, trouser children are, are are lacking. Maybe, maybe I don't know. He has All no children. Kids. Wow, that's amazing. No children. That's, he's barren. That seems sad. Hmm? There's days I could be happy with no children. <laughs> so he's retired. Use the word. Yeah, retired. he's out, man. What does that mean to a rocker? Of the caliber of David Lee Roth. Well, you get tattoos. He continues a lifelong martial artist studying Kenjutsu and Jujitsu and all those things. So uh, he's got that going for him. But uh, really, man, he's he's just he's, he's David Lee Roth. And so like we do, we're going to end with a quote from Diamond David Lee L. Roth himself. Quote, <laughs> I used to jog, but ice cubes kept coming out of my glass. David Lee Roth, everybody. I I can appreciate that quote right there. (laughs) I figured that that's why I kept that one for you. That's kind of just like, I'd like to exercise, but I'm in no shape for that. So I know, right? So I don't, I, 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 there's part of me that wants to believe that he's not retired. Like one day he'll come out and do some, you know, like, why would you ever retire if you're, a rocker if you're in that room if I, I, I don't know just you know what your retirement is as 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 a as a rocker like him die i oh, you're just God. you're All right. no 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 not in a negative way just be like yeah one day i still might sing a song why do you need I'll to retire just just, just keep just I'm, I'm, I'm i don't plan you can say things like i don't plan on singing more stuff or making more music or albums or whatever but just be like why why pigeonhole yourself like that i suppose i suppose suppose (laughs) so what what was his brian let me ask you as as a as our our lead researcher what was his biggest crime what was his big thing what was his worst thing he did oh he got busted for that uh Bunk Jamaican reefer. That's the only thing he ever did. I think he's kind of a good guy. I agree. That's why we did this. I mean, 
when he was doing some of his seediest shit back when he was a, the, at his peak most popular time and he was, you know, calling girls back to the to the to the dressing room. That's not yeah. it's not like he was Bill Cosby. He was like, you know, like, hey, wanna go back to the dressing room? And these women were like, Yup, <laughs> yeah, I'll come back there. So I got a pass. This guy gave me a backstage pass. <laughs> I kinda I kinda like David Lee Roth. I'm I'm not I'm not a huge fan of his music. I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. Oh, it's good. But, it's fun time. Yeah, it's, it's party it's time. It's fine. It's fine. But I'm a fan of the, the, the artist. I'm a fan of the person. I think he's all right. all right. I can't like that guy. When he came out there in the reunion on MTV, and he was just so happy to be part of what was. What, <laughs> okay. what was. He was expecting it to be what would be again. It never did. And it was only two months. He was part of the band again. <laughs> I'm part of the band. Hey, woo. Hey. He was he's an innocent, happy, go lucky um spirit. He's he's a good dude. I like that guy. I like that guy. I miss that guy. Well, because we're talking about being part of the band, man, that brings us back to some feedback. Okay. We got a speak pipe here. Uh, you guys may recall we've had Jason's sort of beer adventure. Um, he, if you're regular listeners to the show, Jason's been calling us and uh, regaling us with his Christmas Eve from years ago and <laughs> how many beers well, he has. No, Our no, last episode no, make was- Make sure uh, everybody knows it's only he did this over one night. This is one day, but it's taken us. We're, we were at beers uh, four through six, I think, last we're, time. We're stretching so. it. We're going to use this for years. Just checking in. Beer number seven. Also, this movie is really fucking intense. It's called Harpoon. You should check it out. It's fucking awesome. Also, t-shirt idea. Crime and music. Underneath it, sorry, Michelle. We'll get it going on Twitter. Hash Brown, sorry, Michelle. He's starting to fall apart here. <laughs> He's starting to yes. disintegrate. One twenty-four a.m. Left that part out. <laughs> that movie sucked. Um, moving on to beer number eight. Just wanted to give a shout out to the crime and music crew, Skittles. Annie, and now it's time to listen to some music. I'll keep you updated. Deuces. All right. That's uh, Jason, everybody. <laughs> so, so growing up with, J- I mean, Jason was part of our, our teenage years and in our adult years here coming in. But when, when we hear that from our friend, Jason, it brings personally back to like old school Jason. So I don't think everybody probably knows the history of. So Brian, Brian and I grew up together since what? Kindergarten, whatever. I've, yeah, I've known you since I was five. And then we, and then we got into the high school years and and enter Jason. And quickly, quickly, we all became, Hey, you want to be a best friends? Yup. And so Jason's yep. our best friend. And then college kicked in. And Brian and Jason ended up going to college together. 
they had a apartment together. And there were many weekends that we all went up and where we all went and partied and blah, blah, blah. And it was wonderful. But when Jason comes up with that and he gets drunk and he starts talking on the internet, it's a lot of fun. Ben gets nostalgic and teary-eyed. Hey, I cried. I cried at a, uh, what did I tell you I cried at? The Tom Petty, uh, the, the, no, the Tom, yeah, the Tom Petty lyrics. The Tom, no, the Tom Petty lyrics at Rock and Roll Hall. Sorry, Michelle. I'm a softie. <laughs> All right. I got another speak pipe for you. It's from our man Dustin in St. Louis. I can't wait for this guy. I, that's my, He's got that's some my, commentary. That's my new favorite guy. He is, he is our new, new favorite, favorite guy. guy. I love this guy. He, he bought a t-shirt, dude. I mean, go, go to the website. Be like Dustin. Buy a t-shirt. It's awesome. It's me and Ben as cartoons. Yep. Um, hey, all right. This one's for Dusty from St. Louis. He had a, a, some, some help. He's helping us out here with our Boy George episode. Yeah. Hey, fellas. It is your second favorite listener, Dustin, over in St. Louis, Missouri. And I uh, first wanted to congratulate you for still having one of the best podcasts around. Yeah. Um, the reason I'm contacting you is because you mentioned a girl's name on the Boy George episode. Spelled S I O B A H N. The pronunciation is Siobhan. And I'm only telling you this because it's probably my favorite name. I just love how beautiful it is. So the word, the name you're looking for is Siobhan. So take care and thanks for always having a wonderful podcast. See you guys. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate that. So. Thank you. No, I, I'm, I, I think, and number two, Dustin, thanks for calling. How did he pronounce that name? Who, who, what? How, no, how did, how did he, how did he pronounce that name? Siobhan. Siobhan. Yeah. I like that. And you called him, nice. you called her Cuckooban? Cioban. Yeah. Cuckooban. He liked it. He, he's. He liked it. What's wrong with you talking about? He was fine. That's fine. It's oh, his favorite God. name. That's my favorite ben. name. Leave him alone. All right. No, no. All right. Because Ben's picking on the audience again. I want to give a shout out real quick to some of our new YouTube subscribers. I want to say hey to Kathy Rooney, uh, Clancy Cobain, Cat C. Not everybody has a C name. Dr. History. Thanks for uh, subscribing. And of course, you can't have uh, hey to new subscribers without reaching out to Rusty Benny. And uh, thanks for subscribing, everybody. If you'd like to subscribe or leave feedback or leave a uh, speak pipe, just go to crimeandmusic.com. Leave those voice messages right there. Find us on all the social medias at Crime and Music. Leave us some words. We love hearing from you guys. I'm telling you, that part really, it kind of keeps the, the foot on the gas, man. So uh, if you want to be an absolute hero, though, you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. Leave reviews at uh, Apple iTunes, uh, um, Podca- Apple Podcasts, I guess it's called now, Spotify, any of those ones, man. Um, I Pandora, I think you can leave reviews. Any of the charts you want to leave reviews. But that's if you want to be a superhero. You don't have to do that, but it'd be super appreciated. Um, man, thanks, everybody. Uh, you got anything else? If you leave a review, make it funny. A little funny. Okay, I've I've been informed that you can't leave emojis in reviews, so we've been wasting, like, years of our lives telling people to leave us emojis for reviews. Well, can they write us in, like, a text message or a... Of, of e- email and leave emojis. Uh, they can leave emojis on any of our social medias, and and now we're getting specific and grammatical. So I'm going to say the words I know will end the show. Just 
Just don't trust a big button, Smar. Well, what if the big button's in a nice, comfy blanket? Never trust a big button. Smile, Ben. And, uh, like a wool blanket. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.